up, folks? Welcome to another week. This is the Live Life Progressive Podcast. And, hey, man, this is, first of all, Sincere Hogan and Mike Mahler. But, dude, I just want to say I like the way we're doing this new format. I like the splitting of the show now where we have our guests earlier in the week, and then we come on later in the week with our own show, our own part of the show where we get to answer questions and hit on some other topics and not just do a big block of a show all at once in one week now. I think this is working out pretty well for everybody. What do you think? I like it. I like it. I also think it's good for our guests because they may not want to be associated with what we talk about after they're on the show. <laughs> you know, you know? <laughs> like, they may I not mean, want to hear our discussion. You got a best-selling author, and then ten minutes later, you're talking about <laughs> flashlight, Mike. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Someone's going to be checking out Robert Greene's interview and then one of his fans, and then go, "Man, uh, that, that was a really interesting interview." And uh, those two guys were talking about bleached a-holes right after Robert left the show, you know, <laughs> so I think, uh, I think, I think it works well actually, because for a lot of reasons, one, one, it focuses our time so we can just focus on, on the guests and have some good, good time with them. And then we can kind of segment it in and go on our rants, our tangents and so forth. And, and then people can decide what they want to listen to. Some people love listening to our rants. Some people are like, I don't really want to listen to Mike and Sincere talk about that stuff. Or, I like it when they have a guest, you know, some people like hearing us talk. So you have an option now. I mean, you'll see it in the yeah. show description when you see it in your subscriptions and whatnot. So you're going to see which ones have a guest, and then you'll see which ones are going to be Mike and myself. So you can choose, but you may not want to miss what we're talking about. No, we're going to get to some good questions today and, and cover a lot of interesting topics. And I, I think one thing also we're going to do is, is stack up some more fitness experts because a lot of people like the diversity of guests we have. But yeah. one, of the, one of the themes I've been getting is they'd, they'd love to hear from more strength coaches, people like John Hines and Charles Poliquin and Kim Blackburn. And these are all people we know. So, I mean, that, that makes sense to us. You know, we have a huge fitness following, obviously. So it makes sense to have maybe at least two episodes per month where we'll bring in a, a various fitness experts in, pick their brain on a variety of stuff. Honestly, I think that right now the, the timing is perfect because as we're recording this show, it, we're smack dead right in November now. So, yeah, yep. what's coming around the corner, you got the holidays coming up. And for a lot of fitness professionals out there, they're getting ready for the busy time of year. And right. that being good old January 1st, where, you know, everyone has to start their resolutions, or I call them the resolutionaries. <laughs> so they're all going to come calling all these fitness professionals. So it's good to pick the brains of some experts who have been in the game for a while to kind of give a lot of our listeners who are in the fitness industry some fresh ideas they get ready to take on the new year and right. hopefully bring some new ideas to their clients as well. So yeah, the timing is perfect right now. Plus, there's a lot of stuff going on as far as holidays, and they're going to be the go-to people that their clients come to, uh, as well as their followers and listeners, same for us, for yeah. advice like, dude, how do I keep from being the ultimate fat ass over the holidays, even though I still want to eat food and, and not be a jerk and, you know, turn my family down when they offer me anything. So right, right. it's going to be awesome, exactly. you know, to talk about that, man. Yeah, exactly. I think it's going to be cool. I think January would be a great month to just stack, you know, four episodes of awesome fitness experts that are going to give high quality info. So, well, you know, we listen to your feedback, folks. So we're going to we're going to modify stuff accordingly. And I think it's important that that we do do shows that we find interesting as well. That was why we started this, and that's why we have such a diversity of guests. But you know, we are fitness professionals, so we're obviously going to have that as a common theme. So it's not going to be every single episode because, again, we want, we want to provoke some thought with you people. We want to get you to think about stuff that you may not have thought about before. You may not even have heard of people like Robert Greene or Daniel Cole or Nadine Pisani, and all of a sudden you hear them on our show, and you get very interested in what they have to say. And yeah, that's when it kind comes of down to it, at the end of the day, there's more to our lives than fitness, folks. Right. right. <laughs> you know, and, and that's a cool thing. Trust me, that's a cool thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you know, what's, what's funny today is I wanted to talk to you about your DJ background and then how you made the transition into fitness. But before we do that, just a quick pitch because, again, this show is not free. You know, we pay you to do this show, and you support us by buying our products and services. So just real quick, remember, you can use coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements, that's my testosterone booster, which is the, the feedback is overwhelming. I mean, look at the testimonials on my page for that. It's just going on forever. The, the product's been around since about March now, and the people have spoken. It's a great product. Very few people are non-responders. Then I've got Restorezyme, which is my new inflammation control product. Actually, our friend Kim Blackburn, who was supposed to come on today but had another obligation, he's a big fan of Restorezyme because he found that he was – 
just farting on command uncontrollably before he started taking the store time. And now that, they, now that, he's, now that he's restoring his enzymes and he's got some ginger in there, it's, it's really helping him get that gut health under control. See, this is the price you pay. This is the price you pay for being really swamped and getting ready for the World Kettlebell Championship and not being on the show. You can't yeah, defend yeah, yeah. yourself, buddy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> then I was hoping to bring up this joke when he was on. It would have been even funnier. But anyway, we'll, we'll save that for another day. And then, of course, my recovery oil, which is transdermal magnesium, zinc, and MSM. If you want a great night of sleep, just put some sprays of that on. You're going to get into a nice, relaxed state have a nice recovery sleep and get ready for a great day of training the next day. And then the coupon code can also be used for some of sincere stuff. Yeah, definitely. You can go to my website. You can go to newwarriortraining.com and apply the same code LLA and get 30% off of my digital download of my DVD. And some folks have been pretty um, clever and use it toward the actual physical copy of the DVD. But you know what? I'm not tripping. That's cool too because there's still some folks in the world that would much rather have something that they can hold in their hand. They'd rather have the hard copy of the DVD instead of the digital download. Right. So I'm cool with that. So you can use it for either or, whether it's a digital download or it's a hard copy. Still use the coupon code LLA, and that works for me, and I hope it works for you. So other than that, also the one lone guy still doing workshops on this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the time you guys hear this show, we'll probably be a few days before the World Kettlebell Championships in Michigan actually in Novi, Michigan, right outside Detroit. Um, it's going to be sponsored by the IKFF. During that weekend, that Saturday and Sunday, Ken Blackburn and myself will be hosting a workshop covering bodyweight training as well as what we like to call complete athlete training, whereas we're using other methods such as Bulgarian bag as well as some of the other tools that, um, that are associated with the Bulgarian bag, the rope system and all that. We're going to be teaching that that Saturday and that Sunday. I will have those details on my site, just in case you guys are going to be in the Michigan area or if you're coming out there to compete, you can also get a chance to come work with Ken and myself either that Saturday or that Sunday since it is a two-day event going on now. So that's what's coming up for me as far as workshops. And then locally, semi-locally, I have a workshop with League City CrossFit coming up in January. It is a kettlebell for athletic performance, power, strength, and conditioning. So if you are in Texas or want to come to a place that's actually going to be warm in January and escape the <laughs> snow, because <laughs> one thing about it, you won't need a leather coat in Texas, as Mike and I were talking about just before the show. <laughs> so come on down, and you can come to the workshop at League City CrossFit. We'll love to see you guys there. That information is already posted on the New Warrior Training website under workshops and certifications. Take a look at that, and hope to see you guys there. So. That's what I yeah, have that's cool, man. Right now. I think uh, I think it'll be cool to have Ken on and talk about the courses you're doing with him because I, I like the concept. It, it reminds me of Collision Course that you attended back in 2008, right. a course I put on, where you're taking a variety of training tools that have synergy and putting it together in one course. And I think that's what the people really want right now. They want to they want to learn different styles of training and then have have an idea of how to create some continuity between everything, how to put it together. Exactly. Because, because those are some of the common questions I get on a weekly basis. People will email me and say, I've got kettlebells, I've got Bulgarian bags, I've got sandbags, I've got this. I, I just don't know how to put together a program with all of these things. Right. And people, people tend to overly complicate things. They try to merge every aspect of every system together into a workout. And you're going to have to make some cut and paste here. You're going to have to decide on what your priorities are, and then you can implement these things accordingly. I mean, so that, that's a theme that we'll talk about more. And, and when we have Ken on, we'll really get into that because you guys have done a great job with implementing a variety of tools in a way that makes sense. So that'll be a really cool theme. Definitely. Okay. And then, yeah, you know, funny thing about workshops is <laughs> I'll have people email me going, oh, I heard you on the podcast saying you're not going to be doing any workshops for a while. But uh, do you have anything coming up in Vegas in March? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't. So, you know, no. That, that's what it means when I'm saying I'm taking a break. It doesn't mean that I'm going to have more courses coming up. But right. I've, got a, I've got a couple opportunities overseas, which I may evaluate. But I, I'm really going to take this month, next month, probably January, just have three months where I'm not on the road at all and see how I right. feel about that. And if I get a little antsy and I feel like, you know what, I need to get back out there in front of people, you know, maybe I'll bang out a few courses next year. If, if I'm just enjoying being home, which is a strong possibility, I may say, <laughs> screw it. <laughs> I'm going to stay home and run my nutrition supplement side, work on the podcast, and enjoy making some workout progress because that's the one thing about traveling, which, I, which I, I'm not going to complain about. I don't want to sound like I'm griping about going to all these incredible places. But the, but the one thing, the one negative is that 
it really derails your trading progress. Now, every time I get on a roll, and then I have a big international trip coming up, it, it, takes, it takes a while to get back on a roll when you get home. And again, right. I'm not, I don't want to whine like a little jack off, you know, who's uh, like, oh, poor Mike gets to travel the world and get paid for it. It's, it's, it's interrupting his workouts. But I'm just, I'm just saying it's a reality because I know a lot of you people travel as well and so forth. So you, you have to style your training accordingly. You, know, you really right. have to realize that you're, you try to make as much progress in between trips. You're going to have to go on maintenance mode. It's going to be a couple of weeks when you get back normally. You know, jet lag is real, and all, going through all these different time zones definitely has a negative factor. So it's just those, those things you have to work around. Oh, right. It's one of those situations where you don't get upset if you are traveling a lot and you are trying to put a program together and stay on a program. When you come back and you see that you're not hitting 450 or you know, 510, 515 on the deadlift when you come back like you did two weeks before your trip, right. don't get upset and just throw it all out the window like, well, screw it. I'll never be able to catch up again. It's just like, no, you just got to hit the reset button and move on from there and just realize, hey, you took a trip. It's a factor. It's going to jump in there. It's going to deter some things a couple of times. It's not like you're going to go into the airport and they have a nice little gym over there for you to bust out <laughs> the deadlifts before you hop on the plane. They're going to start having gyms on the plane soon. It's like a little workout center in the back. <laughs> that would be hilarious, man. You know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. I, I can expect Virgin to do that first. That is such a Richard yeah. Branson type thing to do. If anyone would do it, it would be Virgin because exactly. first, class, first class on Virgin is pretty nice. I mean, I don't fly first class, but I'm in Economy Plus, so I can see first class. And they actually have a bar set up there with a bartender. I know. You, 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 can just go, you can just go hang out at the bar the whole flight and chit-chat with the bartender if you want. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's definitely a much more innovative. That's my favorite airline to fly to most overseas locations. You know, yeah. Qantas for Australia is really nice as well. Emirates. Uh, what's the Emirates, yeah. Emirates. Nice, oh, nice airline. Emirates. Oh, you, you my wife even, and father-in-law cannot yeah. stop talking about Emirates, and they took care of them the last time they went to uh, they went to Kenya, yeah. and uh-huh. one of the planes needed to be repaired on their way back. So when they got to the airport, the folks at Emirates were like, "Well, we have um, we have to fix a plane, so it's going to take a day before you can head back home." So of course, you know, if we were in America, somebody would start a hissy fit. Well, what the hell are you talking about? Because you know, nine yeah, times yeah, out of yeah. ten, an airline in America would not take care of you. Right. But they were like, "So." Since you're going to have to wait a day, we're going to put you up in a hotel. And they put them up in a five-star hotel, man, over nice, in Dubai. Nice, it was nice. really, First of all, five-star hotel in Dubai is like, yeah, that's yeah, a ten-star exactly. hotel, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so, so don't, let, don't let that fool you. That's a ten-star hotel. So they put them up in the hotel. They, they fed them. It was as if nothing ever happened. It, like the plane wasn't getting fixed. Like they were stuck there. They were, they were cool with that. And yeah. I'm sitting here, here in Houston, just like, well, damn, Really? You're, you're in a five-star hotel in Dubai, and I'm just sitting here in the heat. That's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, thought, I thought you were going to say five-star hotel in Kenya. I go, that means they might have had honey water. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a one-star, folks. Yeah, that means there's only one or two cockroaches in the shower, and that the toilet flushes every other time you try it. And, no, I'm just joking. Kenya's got the, Kenya, Nairobi actually has some really nice hotels. So I'm just joking around with that. But if you go on the outskirts, yeah, I'm not kidding. But that, that's what a hotel is like. And I've, I've stayed in places like that, and it's not pleasant. When you, when you walk into a room and you turn the light on, and there's a rat bigger than my dog Grover running across the floor. Looking at you like, hey, man, turn the lights off. I don't want to pay a high bill this month. Yeah, I remember this guy showed us this room because our car broke down in the middle of nowhere in Kenya, which always happens when you go on any vacation with my father. It doesn't matter if it's in America or overseas. The car's going to break down in the middle of nowhere, probably in the middle of the night. It's always going to happen. So anyway, we're stuck in this, we're stuck in this small town outside of a game park in Kenya, and the only hotel in town is, of course, this modest place. And, and this place is a dump by any standards from someone coming from our side of the world. So you right. walk into this place, and the, the, the toilet doesn't even have pipes. So, if, I mean, whatever, whatever, you, whatever you created the toilet, you're going to see running out of the room, all right, because there's no pipes covering it. The beds are nasty. You know, the, the rooms are horrible. But what's funny is that they, they look at you like you're the biggest prima donna if you complain about it. I mean, when this guy showed me the room, he was probably expecting me to say, oh, wow, it looks nice. And when I saw that big rat run across and freaked out, he's like, come on, man, what's, what's, what's the big deal? I mean, I, he looked at me like the way we would look at Jennifer Lopez complaining about you know, the food platters in her, in her, ba- her back, her backstage. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just like, come on, kidding me? You stuck up American? This is not a good enough room for you? So, I mean, it, it, it's funny, man. But, yeah, Dubai, on the other hand, is, like you said, five stars in Dubai would make 
five stars in the U.S. look like someone's outhouse. I mean, it looks like the Motel Six. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you want to talk about opulence out there? That place Some, is extremely. Yeah, it's like five stars expensive. over there makes the W over here look like the M. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an, it's an extremely extravagant place. There's no doubt about that. And then, yeah, so that's the thing with traveling is that you just have to keep in mind that it's, it's going to have a, a negative effect on your training, and you just work with it as much as you can. And we'll have, we'll have a show where we talk more about travel tips and stuff like that, maybe have a guest on. Maybe have someone like Ken or Steve Cotter because Steve Cotter Definitely would be the Steve. ultimate guest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Steve Cotter would be the ultimate guest because I, I look at his tra- – I, I do a fair amount of international travel, but nowhere near as much as Steve does. And when I look at his schedule and how long he's been maintaining this, because when he started doing this a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, he's going to burn out doing that. that. That's pretty hectic. And it's like four or five years later, and he's still doing it. So, I mean, he's, he's, got, he's got some serious recuperative powers, and he's definitely mastered the art of international travel because there's no way you're going to be able to sustain that for so many years like he has without dialing it in properly. So we'll, we'll, that, that would be a really interesting topic to have him come on and talk about. Yeah, definitely. Steve's a mutant. I've said it a million times, and I'm never going to stop saying it. He's a mutant. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. And, you know, Steve and Cannon, since you guys all work with IKFF, putting on great events, definitely check out IKFF.net. Whenever someone asks me about what kettlebell certification I endorse, that's the only one that I can put my total stamp of approval on because I know all the people that are involved. They're all great people. They put on great events. People feel really comfortable learning in a fun training environment. You know, you're not going to a boot camp style where you have to address someone as sir. You're not going to be dropped for push-ups, and you know, it's not going to be like some kind of part military type experience. It's going to be a fun learning intense. not easy, but it's going to be a good time. Definitely. All right. And, and then you also have to bear with Ken's jokes. Yeah. <laughs> that, have, that haven't changed yeah. in the seven years we've been doing yeah, I'm, I'm And we joke about that every time. Yeah. It's like, dude, same joke. Steve, I remember Steve and I were hanging out in San Diego one time, Steve Carter, and he was talking about He's like, you know, Ken is so happy to be in front of people who laugh at some of his jokes. Like, that's, <laughs> he's, like, he's like so happy to find people that find him like remotely amusing. And actually, Ken's a pretty funny guy. Some of, some of the jokes are, <laughs> and I'm guilty of it too, man. I've thrown up stuff where I thought everyone was going to laugh, and then the whole room was crickets. You know, the, the worst case being Asia Quarrel back in 2000, uh, 2009, where I, I had this joke, and we were driving over. I'm like, oh, man, this joke's going to kill it. Everyone's going to laugh. I had the whole thing in my head, you know, all the visualization of people cracking up after I say it. And then I said it, and it was just total crickets. I mean, and there was nowhere to go either. I was like, man, I'll be, oh, yeah. I didn't I could get like a, a chuckle. So I can't even build upon it or anything. I just have to change the subject and which is really awkward. <laughs> After no Wait a minute now. Did Roger get that one on the DVD? <laughs> oh, it's on the DVD. I'm sure it's on the DVD. Yeah, now I, might, I, I might have said, uh, make sure to edit that out. And he's, you know, Roger's got his, Roger has his own sense of humor. He's like, nah, I think I'll leave that one in there. <laughs> yeah, just like he left, you know, John Hines calling me Serenity at the collision course. Yeah, 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 yeah. My jokes went over a lot better at collision course. You know, sometimes I'm sure a lot of comedians go through this. And I, I'm not saying I'm a comedian, far from it. But anyway, sometimes everything, the timing is just right. So at collision course, I felt good. It's, it's where I live. And I was really excited about that course. And I came in focused, I'm feeling super strong for that course. And then I was just, I think because of that extra confidence, we're just killing it with these jokes. And then uh, Age of Quarrel, we had a lot of things go wrong behind the scenes right before the course. We had camera issues and then rent a car issues and then all kinds of stuff. So we didn't, we didn't get in until really late night before the first day of the course. So I'm coming in a little bit flustered with that, and in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, I hope this stuff doesn't go wrong, and I hope this works right. So when you're kind of in that state of mind, things are not going to come across. <laughs> now, right. the other possibility is that the joke just sucks, <laughs> and that's a strong <laughs> possibility. That's a very strong possibility. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I feel that at some of my events. I've had these jokes I've used for many times, and you know, people still find it funny because they've never heard it before. But in my own head, I'm thinking, you've got to come up with some new material, man. <laughs> I'm getting tired of saying this each time. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so funny. That's like Ken's disclaimer now whenever we're teaching together. Before he tells the joke, he goes, okay, now I know since you've heard this a million times. I'm like, all right, here we go. And I'm like, you didn't have to give me the disclaimer. I know what's coming next. Pretty much during each segment, I know what the joke is probably going to be. But like, yeah, he yeah, surprised yeah. me. We just did a private workshop uh, in Austin last weekend. He surprised me. He came with some new jokes. I don't know if it's just the environment he was in. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> that was very funny. And it's brand new. It's not bad. <laughs> Maybe he took my advice when I told him to go back to his drawing board and blow it up. 
and <laughs> call, call it an air raid. You know, let's get that. No, but uh, it, was, it was funny when he did that. I worked with him last year. Uh, yeah, it was last year, actually. It feels like such a long time ago, but it was last year. We worked in Kansas together, and he had this joke about different, I think it was different breathing mechanics and so forth. And then he goes, uh, what did he say? There's, what's that stupid uh, rap song? I mean, you know what I'm talking about, because he, he used that naughty by nature, OPP. He's like, and then there's OPP. There wasn't a chuckle in there. I mean, I was kind of laughing. <laughs> it was like, you know, 30 white guys with their arms folded going, OPP, what's he talking about? <laughs> I mean, is that like SPP, GPP? Like, I don't understand that training <laughs> protocol. <laughs> It's like, and then there's OPP, and then no one laughed at it, so he had to laugh for himself. <laughs> hey, That's look, what you know look, dude, first of all, rule number one for a comedian as well as a DJ. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. Know your audience. <laughs> yeah, when you, when you have to laugh at your own joke just to give yourself a little pat on the back because no one else is laughing, then, then <laughs> you know, that's always a bad sign. It's like, all right, let me, let me chuckle at least. So oh. I don't feel bad. Maybe it'll be contagious. No, well, it's not going to work. <laughs> Yeah, but speaking of that, so yeah, I wanted to talk to you about your DJ background because a lot of people don't know that you were a DJ for a long time and then you transitioned into the fitness business. And where I live, Las Vegas, DJs are huge. I mean, they have big fan followings, just like a, a lot of rock stars and celebrities and so forth. And I'm, I'm curious why that is the case. You know, what is it you think that what, – what's going on where, where DJs have such a strong fan base now? And is, was that something that you experienced when you were doing it back in the day? Oh, yeah. Um, not at the level that these guys in Vegas are doing right now. Yeah. But I think what people don't understand is that guys like Tiesto, which I, I think right now Tiesto is probably like the biggest dude out in Vegas who has like a fat contract right now, whatever club he's at. What, what kind of money are we talking about, do you think? I think is making – I think he's making either high six or or probably low seven. Wow. wow. So I, I would I would go I would probably think with this so-called economy, but it is Vegas. I would probably guess somewhere around the high six digit figures there. So, so basically, what? they're exclusive to yeah. that club. He he can't do anything else in Vegas but yeah. that club, and they so that means they're going to, have to pay him well to keep him. Right. Especially right, in Vegas. Right. So guys like that, what people don't understand. There are a lot of people who are just not being introduced over here in the States to a lot of, as they call it now, electronic dance music, EDM. Right. But before, it was all these different splinter cells of, of electronic music, let's just say, in the early 2000s, late 90s. And so you had guys like that. They were more categorized on the trance and electronica and things like that. But now they're just, for the sake of trying to make more money for, on it here in the U.S., they just grouped it all into electronic dance music now. So therefore... They don't have to sit there and try to like, oh, well, this is house music. This is garage house. This is speed garage. This is this. They want to make all the money. So they just want to confuse everyone here and say, hey, it's electronic dance music. Those guys have been putting in work, like Paul Oakenfold, all those guys. They've been putting in work for a good 20, 25, 30 years, man. Wow. So they've done their work during the 90s when pretty much the only people that were receptive to electronic dance music mostly was Europe and Asia, pretty much anyone overseas. The U.S. really wasn't trying to hear it. You would have – a couple of songs here and there that would kind of blow up on Top 40 radio. Daniel Benningfield, I Gotta Get Through This, and just a couple of other DJs. Now, it's hard for me to just think of any of those hits because a lot of them are one-hit wonders over here. Right. Even Craig David, someone like that. They did one or two songs that blew up in the U.S., and then their career is pretty much tanked in the U.S. Because here, they don't really care about your career. You're a commodity. So it's, give us a hit, get out of the way. Or drop an album, tw- at least two or three a year. We're not trying to bring any longevity to it. So anyway... Those guys are put in work, but what really makes those guys stand out is not so much that they're DJs. The reason why these guys have the careers that they have now, when you talk about a Tiesto or a Paul Oakenfold, they, were, they went beyond being just a DJ. These guys are also producers. They put out records. They, they produced artists, or they had ghostwriters and ghost producers to put out artists under their names. So, of course, they did a Sean Puffy Combs type thing in some uh, situations. Yeah. And what they would do, they, and then they did remixes for some of the biggest name artists out there. So when you talk about someone like uh, my good friend Steve Silk Hurley, who's been in the game for years, he's produced like some of the top, remixed some of the top people. I mean, first of all, this is the guy that helped put out C.C. Peniston. So the song, finally, he was right there. He's very instrumental in her career. He's remixed from Mariah Carey. He's remixed from Michael Jackson. He's done music for the Oprah Winfrey Show. He was like her exclusive DJ. So someone like Steve may not be known to a lot of people here in the U.S., but he's well-known overseas, big time. But like I said, this is how these guys build their careers, by being more than just a DJ. And pretty much, and probably, I was probably saying in the latter part of my career, I was heading the same way, getting into production as well, because we realized you just can't do gigs. It's not going to be enough. you got to put right. records out. 
You right. got to get records to the right DJs, and if you get it to the right DJs, like a Steve Still Curley or Masters at Work or some guys like that, Paul Johnson, then if these guys are playing your records overseas and they put in their DJ rotation, that's going to blow you up. Just as getting ready to do that, my daughter's born. And so I made a decision. And also, I saw the industry getting ready to change big time, right. the music right. industry as a whole, because I wasn't just DJing. I was also working for record labels at the time and marketing promotions. So I had a really behind-the-scenes look at where the industry was heading and really saw how there was going to be a major bubble burst going on there. I didn't want to be the guy that didn't want to, you know, just try, you know, we talk about these fitness guys who just keep holding on, holding on to what they were at one time, and then they can't progress, and they kind of become jaded because they've been left behind in the industry. Right. I right. didn't want to be one of those guys. I made a decision like, I know these, a lot of these guys are not going to get paid the way they were getting paid. I know I wasn't going to make the exact same amount of money that I was making then. I remember doing a gig, uh, doing a rave with Biz Markey. My partner, Baby C, and I did a gig with Biz Markey. We were the co-headliners with him. Biz Markey, I think he made for a one-hour set, I think he made like 10 grand. And basically, he went on early. Most of the time, the headliner on a rave doesn't go on until, let's say, maybe 1 a.m. or something like that. Right. That gives everybody time to leave other clubs and get there. Biz Markey was also DJing the um, after party for Puff Daddy uh, for Mike Tyson's last fight in Vegas at that time. So what Biz Markey did, we went record shopping that day, earlier that day, and he comes in and he goes, look, I'm going on first. I'm like, dude, you know that's like 9 o'clock. Nobody's going to be there. He said, I don't care. I already have my money. So <laughs> he goes, <laughs> so mistake number one, if you're a promoter, only give the DJ half up front. Okay? Yeah, right. That's hilarious. <laughs> you got to give him a reason to stay. So he gets, he gets his money. He, does his, he goes on at 9 o'clock. He finishes at 10. He's like, all right, son, I'm out. So I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yep, I got to catch a plane. I got to get uh, to Hobby uh, IAH and get out of here by 10.30. Next thing you know, I'm looking up probably around 1 a.m. I just wanted to see. So I, I um, called one of my buddies who was also at that party. I'm like, hey, man, is Biz there? Did he make it? He goes, yeah, he just went on. Dude was just here in Houston. So anyway, stuff like that is just never going to happen again. I mean, just for my partner and myself that night, I think we made, for a two-hour set, we made 2500 and And we were tag-teaming. Basically, you're looking at about an hour's worth of spinning a piece. Those days, I know we're going to come to an end where you could do stuff like that. So, and then right. plus, I actually want to be a stay-at-home dad. And it's just really hard to then do raids, come home at 6 or 7 in the morning, and then be fully present with your daughter right. when you're, my wife at the time was going to work around 8 o'clock, an hour after I got home. Right. It, it just wasn't going to work anymore, man. But anyway, like I said, I, I just really saw the face of the industry changing. And it's kind of like how you feel about workshops. Like you and I talk about workshops, how I feel about boot camps. You know, everything has its peak. starts off, it gets to the very top, and then boom, the bubble's going to burst. Right. So you got to really think, do I burst with it or do I reinvent myself? And right. one of the things I've noticed about being in that music industry for so long, man, I mean, I've been doing it since I was 16. Been on the radio since I was 16. One of the things I noticed, the beauty about being in that industry besides the money at that time is also all the perks. So if you're doing a good DJ set, just like you were saying, they treat these DJs like rock stars out there in Vegas. No well, for, there was a time when the DJ was being treated like a rock star no matter where he was. So, I, again, I'll say late 90s, early 2000s. Anytime I'm doing a set, Folks are coming up. There are dudes, like, giving me $100 tips just to play one song. Like, dude, you're killing it. Hey, man, I'll give you $100. Can you play this song? I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. As long as it made sense. Now, if he came in and asked me to play, like, Randy Travis, and I'm sitting here playing <laughs> Naughty by Nature, that's just not going to work. So I, I don't want to totally lose everybody unless I can come up with a Ran Randy Travis acapella and put it over, over a Naughty by Nature, an instrumental. And trust me, there were times when we made stuff like that happen. That's what really helped you get tips like that. Right. But um, you would get good tips. People always bring you free drinks. Of course, you're getting out late, so you're going to be eating late. So if you're eating late, what are your options? IHOP, Denny's, none of that's <laughs> going to be healthy. Right. If you do this pretty much five, six nights a week, you're going to become the ultimate DJ fat ass. And that's pretty much where my life started to head. And I started looking around at some of my friends. I'm like, and just, I woke up one day, dude, on my 31st birthday and just looked in the mirror like, what the hell? Dude, you were athletic. You used to work out constantly. You were an athlete in high school. You were really working out hard in college. When did you decide to let yourself go? So I let the industry pretty much take over my life. It's kind of like what we were just yeah. talking about when you travel and how yeah. it just interrupts everything. And that's what happened. It started to interrupt any qualms that I had about training or anything like that, other right. than just a few body weight exercises. But by that time, you're too freaking tired when you're coming home at 6 in the morning. Now, just on a side note, just to talk about all the perks, one of the craziest things, I think out of all the craziest stories I have from that life, I remember doing a gig, and when I finished the set, 
And the guy, I mean, they were loving it. It was a great crowd. It was a great crowd. And when I went to the bathroom afterwards just to go wash up, man, a guy comes in and goes, man, you killed it. Here, man, this is for you. Dude hands me a vial of Coke. <laughs> and I'm looking like, are you serious? He goes, yeah, man, this is for you. I said, no, it's not. I said, no, it's not. Take that. I don't want that. I said, like, what is this? Am I being punk? Is this for real? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He's like, nah, man. He said, you, you deserve it, man. You up there working hard. You deserve a break. I'm like, oh, I don't want that break because I'm going to say two words to you. Lynn Bias. Okay? <laughs> so, and if anyone doesn't know who Lynn Bias is, go Google him and see what happens when someone is on the peak of having a very promising, lucrative career and how one mistake can screw up your life. And that came down to Coke doing coke. I mean, this guy was supposed to be like the biggest thing in the NBA at that time, right after Michael Jordan. And he had his endorsement deals. Everything was there. Had a party celebrating being drafted to the NBA. Did coke that night, overdosed. Ended up a very promising career. I and remember that. That always yeah. stuck with me yeah. during high school, that story, because I really, really loved watching this guy play. And really yeah. like, oh, man, he's going to make it. Okay, cool. And then that happened. That was the best Just Say No campaign I've ever seen in my life. Oh, right no. there. After I saw that, I was like, you know what? I would never try that because I'm the dumbass that would do something like that one time and then be the last time. I'm the dumbass that would overdose yeah. on my first try. That's what I was going <laughs> to say. This is a guy who probably wasn't even a substance abuser regularly. He just no. he was just so excited that night. He was like, screw it. You know, I'm just going to do anything. And then that's the end of the rap, man. That, that's, yeah. that, that's terrible. That's really tragic. Yeah, man. So I, that always stuck with me. And I'm just like, I don't ever want to be that guy. When that guy even came to me with the coke, I was like, nah, dude, you need to take this. You need to go. I just left the bathroom. And it's just, it's one of those moments. I know sometimes it's like, oh, come on, man. It's just not that serious. Yeah, it was kind of serious for me at the time. No one's ever come at me like that. It was like, hey, take some coke. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. yeah. No, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I have a good friend, Christos Dimitris, lives here in Vegas. He'll work out with him all the time. He's an IGFF yeah. guy, too. And uh, he used to run a lot of strip clubs in Vegas when he was much younger. He used to manage plenty of them. And he said that what he got really burned out of is just, just the unhealthy environment. Oh, it's, yeah, it's man. Just, it's just things like – and stories like what you just mentioned. And he said what he, why he really wants to get into fitness is he wants to feel like he's, he's helping people do something right. positive with their lives, you know, making themselves healthier and feeling, being in a more productive, positive environment. So I think, I think that's what gets a lot of us to kind of jump into the whole fitness world is that – you know, we see what it does for ourselves first. You know, that's what it was for me. Exactly. Like, I, I look at who I was when I was 15, 16, 17, just drinking, doing drugs, just do up to no good. And then I, I kind of looked in the mirror at that age myself, and I'm like, man, I'm 17, and I look like shit. You know, I got like yeah. no muscle. I got a gut. I feel like crap. I'm tired all the time. I'm 17 years old. I'm tired all the time. And I was like, this is stupid, man. So yeah, then I started getting into – I just started – my dad bought me a, a weight training set for the house, and I just started working out, and I was weak as fuck when I first started working out. Like I was saying, some people like to look at me and say, oh, yeah, you know, he's genetically gifted. Yeah, right. I got pinned with 100 pounds on the bench press the first time yeah. I tried. Genetically gifted my ass. <laughs> but, anyway, but anyway, once I started making progress, and you start seeing some of the positive benefits. Your energy gets better. You start looking better. You're feeling stronger. You're more confident. It just makes you want more of that, and as exactly. you want more, as you want more of that, you want less of the other, of the other crap. Exactly. So that's why I always say you don't want to be someone who tries to give up unhealthy habits by just using willpower, because that's that's a battle of attrition, and you're always going to lose that battle. All it takes is there's some ex extra stress in your life, or you're feeling down one day, and you're like, oh, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go do this. I earned it. That kind of attitude, right? But yeah. when when you have that paradigm shift, like I did. It wasn't really even a temptation anymore. You didn't want to do any of that stuff because you started thinking, oh, that's going to derail my training progress or I'm feeling so good now. I don't want to wake up with that hangover anymore. Right. It, it, just, it just made you more focused on, on genuinely feeling good rather than hiding behind all these, all these just fake solutions. Oh, so, yeah, I mean, man, that, that's always my advice to people is that once you have an addictive personality, which I definitely have, I have an addictive oh, personality, yeah. the key is not to try to – squash that but to direct that energy somewhere else redirect it yeah redirect yeah, exactly. that addictive behavior to something that's yeah. actually gonna something that's gonna help balance you out you know, yeah. i even tell people it's like yeah you can even get addicted to working out my thing is what you need to get addicted to is balance <laughs> okay if you're gonna get addicted to anything mm -hmm. so get there and then try to try to level that off but again like i said don't try to squash everything and that was one of the things even when i was ready to leave that life i didn't just like up and say oh i'm done you know i had to kind of bleed myself out because, right. A, I had a family, which means I had responsibilities. 
Right. But at the same time, it's just because otherwise I would I would be that guy that every time I see someone DJs, I want to go back and start DJing again. It's funny right. my brother-in-law, he's um really I mean he's well known and he he's always asking me, man, you need to start back again. I'm like, no, I don't. It's, and it's, <laughs> I put it like this: in the first few years that I was married to my wife, who was a sister-in-law. He would always bring it up and always want me to come in and do sets with him and all that. But I'm just like, dude, I don't feel it anymore. I have no, no desire. I, I feel good being on this right. side of the turntables now. I feel good being a fan, a music, a music connoisseur, someone that really loves music, and also a guy that can appreciate what you're doing behind those turntables because right now you're mostly spinning for people. You're mostly DJing for people who don't get what you're doing up there. They don't understand the art that you're creating up there. They just hear music right. they hear on the radio or whatever, and they don't really appreciate the talent that it takes to put together the right set in order to create the, the perfect mood for that night. And they right. think it's just something that's so, just like what they see, they see you and me and see what we do in the fitness industry, or they hear us on this podcast, they think like, oh, yeah, I can, if those guys can do that, I can do that. Well, yeah, but you're going to have to put in some work. It's just not like we just popped up and like, hey, I'm going to crack open this mic, we're going to start a podcast, and it's just going to blow up, or right. I'm, we're just going to do workshops and 5,000 people are going to want to show up, and I'm going to have to turn them away. You know, we just have to put in the work. Come <laughs> yeah. on now, that would be a great problem to have. But <laughs> it's just like we put in the work, man. And those, those guys, a lot of those DJs now, back then, a lot of DJs now, not so much because there's so much technology that makes it so easy for them that does the work for them, which is a right. shame. There's a lot of guys that they're not putting in the work. And whether I like their music or not, guys like Tiesto and Oakenfold and all those guys, they're putting in work. Because I've seen right. those guys back in the day when they didn't have the technology. When all they had was two turntables and vinyl, and that was it. There was no software to do anything for them or mix anything for them. So those guys put in work. DJs like DJ Jazzy Jeff and guys like that, they put in work, man, and I respect those guys. Now, there are a lot of up-and-coming guys I hear. I was like, oh, that, that dude's nice. That dude's nice. Trust me, I can, I can tell the fakers. <laughs> it's, it's really easy to spot one when you've been in this game for a while. But right. it's beautiful because I got out on my own terms. Therefore, I'm not jaded. Therefore, I can appreciate what they do. I can still love the music. I can listen to music on the radio and actually appreciate songs, even when they're pop, because I've been on that side of the industry where I had to promote crap and promote some things where I knew, like, okay, this is a poppy, cheesy song, but this is pretty good. It'll, it'll be good for the six months that it'll be in rotation, then it's done. That's a beautiful thing. So you've got to just really phase yourself out. And Mike and I talk about that also with business, the folks that want to start their own business. Thing is, if you have a responsibility like a family and you're working a nine to five, but you have the dreams of starting your own business and you really want to get that going, yeah, we always say that there is no job on the side. Well, eventually, what's going to end up happening? You're going to start making moves toward that entrepreneurship and getting that business of your own, and it's going to get to the point where you have so much momentum going from putting in those couple of hours that you have a chance to actually have to put into that business each night. Right. That those couple of hours that you can dedicate to starting your own business become four hours, five hours, six hours. Next thing you know, you get one hour sleep between the time you're working on your own business and when you have to go work for someone else. Then you got to say to yourself, especially when you're feeling like crap and you're tired, okay, it's time to walk away from that other job. So right. hopefully during that time, you're putting money on the side to help out with your obligations or something like that. But eventually, you're going to have to let one go. It's kind of like how when, no, when, when Mike tries to have two girls. It just doesn't work, dude. Eventually, you're going to let one go. It's a lot of work, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just it's, good, it's, good, it's good for your brain health because you have to keep all the lies intact and so forth. But you know, otherwise, it's it's just it's not good for your cortisol. <laughs> uh, but and, uh, and it's funny because having trying to have a business of your own and work for someone else is like trying to date two women. So right. you have to make a choice at some point. And, yeah, and I like you can only be in love said. with one. You can love both, but you can only be in love with one of them. No, I said so true, so true. But I, I like what you, a couple of points you brought up. Actually, I really like one is that. Yeah, you, at some point you have to transition over. You can't just do one thing on the side. And I think I think one thing that a lot of success experts will talk about, people like Jim Rohn and so forth, is you know save several months of livable income so that when you transition over, you've got that buffer. Right. So I think that's the biggest concern for people is that their income goes to zero and then they're starting from an uphill battle. It's like you don't have to you don't have to just drop one completely where your income is zero and you have nothing in the bank. You know, give yourself a buffer so that you don't have that additional stress. You know, honestly, for me, I, I thrive on that kind of stress. I mean, right. so I, I went through that when I first started my business is that, 
I was in a bad marriage at the time, and I, I, long story short, it exhausted all the savings I had that from the job I had before I got into the fitness business. Mm-hmm. So I, I had that, but I, I could only go up from there. You know, I got out of that yeah. bad situation, and I had no money in the bank, barely anything. But that made me wake up with fire, you know, every day, pushing it hard, seven days a week. And, and it worked for me. So I, I can thrive in that kind of pressure cooker environment. But again, I, this is not a guy with kids or other family responsibilities and so forth. Also, it's a personality type thing. Right. So other, other personality types are going to just be so consumed by the stress of that that they're not going to be able to put in good work each day. So it just depends on what kind of personality you are. You have to be honest with yourself. And Yeah, man. I was about to say, you got to ask yourself those hard questions and be very honest about the answers that you, that you respond with. Yeah, and and make sure that those answers are your answers and not stuff that you've soaked up with someone else on how on the answers that you should be giving. No, the only answers you should be giving are the answers that actually pertain particularly to you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, and the other thing yeah, I like to say is like with your DJ stuff, you you really had to burn it all the way through so that you could walk away completely. Because now, like, what? But that was the other question I was going to ask you is, you know, are you ever tempted to go back, or you ever get? like little twinge in your eye, like, oh, man, I should start doing that again. And you basically answered that question because I think you took it as far as you, you wanted to take it. Yeah. And so you don't, you don't have any questions. You don't have any of those unanswered questions about, huh, what could have happened if I did this or that? And I think that that's an important lesson right there because my, my brother Roger and I were talking about that too, how sometimes you have to take an opportunity all the way till it's end game to know that it's not a fit for you so that you never think about it ever again. Right. Sometimes it's like that with the relationship, right? Like you have, you, have to, you have to take it all the way till its natural conclusion so that when it's over, you're not thinking, well, you know, maybe she and I could work it out if we did this or did that. It's like, no, no, no. no. Or you you're know. off and on again, off and yeah. on again. Or, no, you, know, you, you know the guys that like end up getting separated from their wives but they're still sleeping together? It's like, no, you're done. Stop screwing each other. Move on. All you do is cause them problems. No, no, exactly, exactly. So, so I mean, I, I went through that with when I did network marketing is that – I mean, what, why I didn't give it up early on when I was doing an opportunity is because I, I always felt like, well, maybe I'm not working hard enough, so let me push it harder. Yeah. And, then, and then it got to the point where I was like, okay, it's not lack of hard work because I'm working my tail off. Man. I'm waking up like at 5 in the morning. I'm going to the metro stations in D.C., handing yeah. out thousands of cards, and then I'm putting signs on telephone poles at night. I'm answering calls all day long. I'm working. That's all I'm doing is working. I'm just not right. making any money. And you can only sustain that for so long. So, I mean, the, the, the lesson I did learn from that whole experience is, man, you've got a serious work ethic when you want to. And I didn't realize I had a work ethic like that before, believe me. Right. No, one, no one was more surprised than me. But it was, it was like the right – I think uh, it was like what 50 Cent said about you know, slinging drugs. It's, it's the right – you got the right – attitude but it's the wrong focus right it was, it was kind of like what that was like what i was going there it's like i'm putting in i've got the right attitude i want to be successful i'm working hard i'm doing all of those things but it's the wrong opportunity so it doesn't right. matter how, how well i do all the right things if it's the wrong opportunity it's not going to work out and that's another thing that people need to realize is that if you don't have the right strategy it's not going to work out but if it's something you really want you're going to find the right strategy or you're going to look for, you're going to you're yeah. going to make the right strategy yeah exactly you're not going you're to accept you're exactly. never going to accept no if someone tells if this is something that you're passionate about no is never going to be the option like no oh actually no will get you excited you're like really oh you're going to tell me no oh i'll show you and you'll go out your way i mean it it kind of goes back to um this guy met a while back he was just like, dude, you should always go for no, go for no. And that can be taken the wrong way. I, I see a lot of people in, in, in internet marketing that take that to the extreme, and sometimes it's a little silly the way they say it. Yeah, you should always go for no. When you talk to a client, you got a potential client, go for no. You know, go for the no. That's bullshit. My thing is don't let no deter you from anything. Yeah. Sometimes no can be a blessing. Sometimes no can be the best thing you hear. It's like, well, maybe that wasn't exactly the best thing. But – Try it again. Try after the first no. Just make sure. Better yet, what does your gut say when you heard no? Because your gut goes, walk away now. So that's no. Uh, it's kind of like uh, you've had one too many drinks and you're hitting on a bow-legged girl with two teeth, and you know you're hoping <laughs> go for the no. <laughs> the goal, if you're if you're lucky, she'll be like, nah. <laughs> no, but you know, <laughs> I think I think that'll go for the no. It's really silly too. We hear that all the time. You should go. You know, get the rejection. It means that the positive is around the corner. It's like, look, I'm not going to purposely try to get no's and rejections. I'm going to accept the fact that that's part of the game, so it's not going to bother me. 
but it, it's not something I'm pursuing. <laughs> this is like this is like going to Denny's at night. It's not it's not it's not a restaurant you're pursuing, right? No one ever plans to go to Denny's. It's a place you end up at because there's no other option, right? Not once yeah. in my life have I ever been like, man, let's go to Denny's. Denny's is like three in the morning. You could, you know you're on a long road trip and you're starving and you're like, man, I hope something pops up and then there's a Denny's on the on the right. And you realize, you know what? That's about as good as it's going to get tonight. So you accept it. You know, that's when Danny comes into play. <laughs> oh, man. I can just see some family like, make sure you get all A's on that report card. Because if you do, you know where we're going, right? We're going <laughs> to Denny's. <laughs> you, know, you know what another worthless – I'm so glad I, I remember this because I've been wanting to bring it up for a while. It's like there's so many, like, worthless stores you see out there. It's like, you know, how did this ever take off? You know, sometimes you <laughs> – Sometimes when you see the success of a certain concept, you start thinking, man, you know, I, I can make anything happen if that's going to work. And an example of that is the container store, okay? I mean, if you told me 20 years ago that there, there would be a whole store, a plastic store, all it is plastic. container. And then people get excited about it. It's like, I got to go to the container store and get a box for my cat. You know? It's like, people, people get all a $75 crate for your cat. Like, like yeah, really? You're getting excited about a store that should be one aisle at Target or Kmart, okay? Not not a whole store. <laughs> How many containers do you need for what? You know, but but an amazing. You know what? Thing, hey, you know what that is though, Mike. That is hoarder's paradise. Oh, I know exactly. That's what the exactly. container exactly. stores call brand themselves as hoarder's paradise. <laughs> HP, so the original true. HP. Okay. No, I mean, you know what? I, hey, more credit to them, man. Obviously, it's a business model that's successful and it works. But I think it works for the reason you just brought up so astutely is that it's yeah, it's a hoarder's haven. Exactly. <laughs> it's like my dad had to build this little house in the backyard of my parents' house to put all this crap in. You know, it's like this, like it's like this extra. It looks like a guest home in the back of the in the backyard, but all it is is just loaded with stuff. It's like no, you don't you don't have to buy more crap to put more crap in it. You need to get rid of stuff. In fact, that's why you know I I have a hard time buying anything because of my dad growing up with that hoarding. You know, it, because I always think in my head, I was like, you know what, I could buy this right now, but I bet two years from now I'll just be taking this to the goodwill place. So why not? So I, I'm just not going to bother buying it now. I'll just save myself exactly. the trouble. In some ways, that's a healthy attitude because you don't buy a bunch of material clutter and, and get overly focused on it. But it, but other times it, it starts becoming silly. It's like, all right, you know, you, you need to have some stuff in your home. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, okay, there's there's only a certain part you can get to with minimalism here. It's like, okay, I get it, you're a minimalist, but right now <laughs> you just right now you're not a minimalist. You're a dude that just doesn't have shit in his house. <laughs> okay. I, know, I remember I had a friend who started making good money. Like, you know, it, it happened kind of suddenly, right? Like he was doing uh, stocks and investments and stuff like that. So he, yeah. he was struggling, 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 and then he was only like 21, 22, and all of a sudden he started making really good money. So he moved out of his parents' basement, got his own place, and you, you would go over to his house, and there would be no furniture in there. There would be like a couple of chairs in front of a big screen TV. And it's like, come on, man. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's, what I, call a, he's yeah. what I call a money hoarder. Stop to fill this place. <laughs> you know, know, nice, yeah, super nice car parked in front of a house with nothing in it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. What that is right there, that's, that's called I'm never going back. So he's kind of probably growing up not having much financially. And right, like, right. I had this, and he's seen all those. He's seen all the horror stories of the people who come into all this money really quickly and lose it all right away. So he has a different type of fear. Most of those people that lose all that money right away, like when they win the lottery and next you know they're broke a month later or whatever, they have a fear of never being able to get all that stuff that they can afford at that time. And so right. they try to buy it all because they feel like I'm going to lose the money one day. And you know what? They're right. Yeah. <laughs> Just because of that fear. Yeah. And so you have your friend, probably in his situation, he's like, well, I don't end up want to be like those jackasses that lost everything. I'm going to just try to hold on to all this money that I can. And they, what he ends up losing is the opportunity to have more experiences that having that kind of money would afford him. So what's missing here is just having someone to help them and guide them like, look, you can still experience things. You can still buy some nice things and not go overboard. Just like those other people, you can still have nice things and not buy every damn thing you see because right. you don't need every damn thing you see. So it's just that balance, man. So it can be bad either way. There are people who save, 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 but for what? what is, where is this rainy day you keep talking about? Right, right. <laughs> He's like, guess what? There's always going to be a rainy day somewhere in the world. It's always raining somewhere. 
but well, it that's, would be that's cool. the other thing. It's like when someone's seventy-five and they're still like they're still being a scrounger and they got oh, plenty of like, dough. Like, you like, like, it's time to live your life, man. I mean, what do what do you think you're gonna live for another seventy-five years? The one thing yeah, you can't buy right now with that money is time, brother. You're seventy-five. Yeah. You need to purge it all at one time. You can just go ahead yeah. and get it all in. And when, when I when I travel around the world, often you'll run across you know Americans that are that that are seniors that are traveling, seeing the world, and I'm like, yeah. yup, this is what you should be doing. This is it. Exactly. These people did it right. They worked hard. They save money now. They've got plenty of free time. They're not sitting around playing bingo at, at their in their hometown. They're out there seeing the world, enjoying each other's company, and 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 keeping that spark alive. So that's cool, man. I mean, that that's that's the way of playing it right. You don't even have to wait to be seventy five to do that, man. My wife and I, we just made an agreement for next year, is to start doing more weekend trips internationally. It doesn't cost much to do things like that. You can always find specials and deals all the time where it's like three days in Paris or two days here in, in London. And a lot of people are like, well, that's not long enough. If you do a culmination of all those things in a year's time, if you're doing a trip like that at least once a month, you understand you've had 12 new experiences that year. If you are financially there, well, you can do that. Like I said, there's always deals because a lot of these travel agencies, and they're, they're hurting as well. Don't, yeah. don't get them wrong. They're, they're not banking right now because a lot of people are not traveling. So yeah. they're going to give you all kinds of deals especially when it's not peak season. Find a place where it's not peak season and still make the most of it if you can. Hell, right. even somewhere nearby. If you're someone that lives, let's just say, like in the Midwest, let's say you're living in Illinois or Michigan or somewhere like that, dude, there's a lot of things you can do in Canada. And I'm pretty sure there are people that are right there, in those, right there by the Canadian border that have never been over in Canada, never right. experienced Toronto, never been to Vancouver, never been right. to Montreal. So, or if you're someone down here in the south, there are parts of Mexico that, I mean, you can enjoy and, you know, come back home alive. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, careful. you don't get your head severed or anything like that. There are places. Right. So try it. And there's always, as much as I'm probably not a fan of it, you know, there are lots of inexpensive cruises. If you're someone that's down in the south by port, let's say like Florida, New Orleans, Houston, Galveston, you know, Cali, all these places where there are ports, cruises are pretty cheap, especially right around this time of the year. Like about 400 bucks, you're going for a week. Now, I'm just not a big fan of boats because that's what got me in trouble the first time coming to this country. So I'm going to pass. <laughs> <laughs> that package deal was not cool, man. Yeah, yeah, that, wasn't, that, that didn't work out nicely. Yeah, <laughs> we're still trying to report that one to the Better Business Bureau. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that reminds me of a joke uh, about the – like whenever, whenever there's a movie of where aliens are coming from outer space, like all the white people be on top of the building, like, oh, take me, take me, is Elvis there? And then like all the black people are, are got their shotguns ready, like, oh, we remember what happened last time the the, the motherships came over. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh man, yeah, was, I think I might have been Mike Epps who made that joke, or someone like that, <laughs> someone along those lines. It was it was hilarious though. Oh. Yeah, but I mean, the thing about uh, international travel also that's great is that. Time really slows down when you're in another country. I mean, when I, when I look at this year, like I was in Australia in March. That feels like last year sometime in a good way. You know, this, I've done so many international trips this year that this whole year feels like two years' worth of experiences. Right. And, and, and I think those are the most important things to accumulate in life as well are experiences. I mean, that's what the movie Total Recall was all about, right? It was about you would go to a place, and they would inject an actual experience in your mind so you would have that as a memory. And people, you know, that's, that's a concept that uh, when technology has it, I wouldn't be surprised if that starts taking off. Yeah, like I said, like people, that. the reality doesn't have to be virtual, okay? Yeah. They've taken total recall, and they've now called it Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, I mean, it's, it's all, those, I mean, all those international trips and spending time with people you care about, all those things are – that's what you're going to remember. You know, you're not going to – you're not going to be on your deathbed going, man, uh, I wish I spent more time on Facebook, or if I only put five more Twitter posts up, you know, maybe this would have happened, or you know, if I put that extra, extra couple days in my business, this would have happened. I mean, it's, that's what the, the most interesting people I talk to are, are who? People with really interesting experiences, people that can tell you about different adventures they've had. You know, that's always what makes someone really interesting. So if, if your only adventure is you, know, you watch the Jersey Shore Marathon or you – know, you went to Denny's at three in the morning, and you know, it might be time to reevaluate some stuff and get some new experiences going. Oh yeah, <laughs> come on, right now. Hey, you got time right now? Don't wait till tomorrow. Figure something out. Create an experience. Yeah, I, even I, I, if you don't leave this country right now, right, right, you can plan something right now, right in your own city. Don't even take where you are for granted. Even if you're like in 
bumfuck Egypt. If you're just like in the woods <laughs> where there's nothing around, go camping, go hunting, do right. some, go fishing. America is like a, like several countries in one place, right? Because yeah. the parts of it are so different than other parts. So I mean, California, New York, New York City, for example, LA, and New York City, totally different places. Right here in Texas, which is our own country, you know, Houston and Dallas are so different. It's so right. it's, wow. First of all, just getting to both places, it's about a four hour, four and a half hour trip. Just to go there, it's not even nearby, really. The culture, the communities, everything is just so different. And most people think, okay, they see Texas, they think everybody's cowboys, everybody's riding around on horses. Yeah, we have some of that pretty much anywhere <laughs> in the state. But what you'll see is just even with the diversity, a different type of diversity from both cities, both are international cities. I believe that Houston is a little bit more diverse than Dallas is. So you have all these different cultures just meshed together. I mean, you can see it just by our food. That's why we always end up in the top five of the – Fattest cities in the nation. Because one thing about Houston, we don't lack when it comes to food. And Denny's is probably the last thing on your mind if you ever come out here and visit. I'll tell you <laughs> that. So there's just never lack. But there's so many different restaurants with different cultures and backgrounds, and it's just awesome. So like, so there's, there are so many experiences right here in our own backyard, folks, that we can go out and, and get those experiences and add those. We don't need to have a bucket list, you know. So – it's like I saw this meme somewhere. It's like, you know, instead of having a bucket list, we need to have a fuck it list. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that means, you know, sitting around and doing nothing all day, watching TV all day, you need to add it to your fuck it list. Sitting there not having a story to tell or constantly living through all your other friends who actually go out and do things and travel, living through their stories and their relationships, add that to your fuck it list. Right. And, and revise everything, man. And get out there and just live your life, man. There's so much out there beyond our computers. And yeah, there's a lot of cool things to do. And then, you know, like you're you know, and, it, you know, like hunting is not my thing, but hunting convicted child, uh, child molesters, you know, that's actually on my list of, of recreational activities I enjoy. So I'm, I'm actually going to put together a trip for that. <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> that, being in a state with concealed carry, you know, that, that yeah, would yeah. be kind of fun. I don't know. That, that kind of falls like, you know, you get terminal cancer. It's like, okay, what can I do to make my life most yeah, productive you, for the last Walter couple White, of days? What can you do? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, I've got terminal go. cancer. I was, I was like, okay, this is legit, right? You're like, you're not kidding around. There's no chance I'm going to come out of this. Like, yes, sir, that's what's going on. I'm like, all right, oh. it's okay. Okay, where are a bunch of child molesters? Well, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's like, let's, let's start putting together a list and, you know, go into Dexter mode a little bit here for the child molesters. You know, I go get a particular <laughs> set of skills, as Liam Neeson would say, and then we head over to Cambodia, and we help James <laughs> out in a different way. Right, 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 right. You know? so Start becoming a machine gun preacher. It's time to go <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So uh, let's see. Let's go ahead and wrap up this episode, and then we can focus on our second episode for this week. And again, folks, remember that use coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements at MikeMahler.com. And you can also use it for Sincere's products, 30% off your videos. And anything else you want to plug while we wrap up here? Like I say, um, by the time you guys hear this show, we will get ready to go into the IKFF World Kettlebell Sport Championships in Novi, Michigan, right outside Detroit. If you are into kettlebell sport and you are coming to compete during that weekend, be sure to head over to my website, or you can also email Ken directly at Ken Blackburn at IKFF.net. And you can get the sign-up link for a workshop that Ken and I are doing on Saturday as well as Sunday because we have – it's a two-day kettlebell sport event. So some people will be flying out that Sunday. So we decided to go ahead and do the workshop on Saturday as well for folks who want to do it then. So we have people hitting us up for that. So you can go to my website or go to Ken – email Ken for the link to sign up for that workshop. We'll be covering bodyweight training. We'll be covering Bulgarian bag training as well as – a rope system from Ivan Ivanov, the creator of the Bulgarian bag system, using all those different modalities together to help you as far as being a more complete athlete. Whether you're in a kettlebell sport, whether you're into CrossFit games, whether you're in the powerlifting, where you're into Olympic lifting, any of those things. We're going to show you guys how you can utilize those tools to help enhance your training for those different sports. Or if you're just someone looking to just basically get off the couch and get your life together and, you know, get back into it physically. And you have all these tools, so many options out there when it comes to getting in shape. It can be overwhelming. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to start. You know how to put it together. As Mike was saying earlier, like, how do I program this kind of stuff with all right. these different tools? And that's where Ken and I are going to help you guys during those two days. 
So whether it's that Saturday or that Sunday. So, again, you can check that out. Email Ken directly. Hit him up on his Facebook. You can hit me up on my website, newwarriortraining.com. And then, again, January, if you want to make your way out to Texas where it's nice and warm in the wintertime, got League City CrossFit doing a workshop with them, kettlebell workshop for athletes covering power, strength, and conditioning. So, yep, all that information is on my website. Awesome. All right, folks, we'll see you on the next episode. All right, people, have a good week.